Welcome. I am so glad you're joining us today. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor of Stapleton Church. We are all about helping people follow Jesus. Because when we follow Jesus, it's the path to the fullest life. And that includes learning how to walk and live through suffering. Dr. Paul Brand was a pioneering orthopedic surgeon. He pioneered some of the treatment to help people struggling with leprosy. He spent the first half of his career serving some of the poorest people in the world in India. And then he returned back to the United States. And when he was here treating patients, he realized something significant about our American culture, that we didn't know how to deal with suffering. He once said this, In the United States, I encountered a society that seeks to avoid pain at all costs. Patients lived at a greater comfort level than any I had previously treated, but they seemed far less equipped to handle suffering and far more traumatized by it. Dr. Paul Brand experienced that firsthand by observing those struggling in a developing country and then moving back to the United States. We are not prepared for suffering, and I think that's one of the reasons why this pandemic has caught us so off guard. We don't know how to handle the trials, the suffering, the struggle, the the death, the sickness, the illness that's all around us, the loss of jobs and employment and income. We're struggling to make sense of all of it and to make it through. It's hard, but I believe that we can learn because God has something to teach us today. And he is trying to teach us that we need to realize one incredibly important truth that I believe will shift our focus and help us make it through even the hardest suffering, whether it's now or later, because some of you are struggling right now. You're going through a job loss, a loss of income, struggling with family or with loneliness, being apart, missing out on opportunities or major life events. You're missing out on your prom or your graduation, can't attend a wedding or even a funeral. But maybe you're watching this and you're not really suffering too much right now. You're seeing the suffering around you, but you aren't dealing with it personally. Whether you are experiencing suffering right now or not, I believe that we can learn something so important today. And it will help us make it through and not be, uh, as Paul Bland said, traumatized by the suffering. But instead that we would learn to have victory through it and over it. And what we need to learn today is that God's still working. God's still working. It's simple, but you've got to understand it. God's still working. And what we're going to see today in this victory series, as we continue in our fourth week, is that in order to have victory over suffering, over hardship, over the struggles of this life, we have to realize that God's still working. And there's three aspects of this that we need to learn, three things that we can take from it. And the first is to wait. The second is to groan. And the third is to know. So let's dive into our passage in Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible, as we continue in verse 18 of Romans chapter 8 today. If you are following along on the YouVersion app or maybe in a different browser on your laptop, I'm sorry, or a different tab in your browser on your laptop, wherever you are, I want you to join with us. We have an event on YouTube where you can take notes right along with this passage. But in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18, we read this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 
Did you realize what he said? The present suffering, what we're dealing with right now, is not worth comparing to the greatness, the glory, the grandeur that will come. It's not even worth comparing. It's that much of a contrast between how small and infinitesimal it is now to the greatness and vastness of the glory to come. Now, you may think, whoa, 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 how does Paul, who's writing this, even understand or comprehend it all? Well, he does. Because Paul is someone who suffered mightily. If you read about his life, he had grown up as a Jew and he was a fervent, religious zealot for the Jewish faith. But then he met Jesus and it transformed him from the inside out. And he left his friends, his colleagues, all the people that respected him. And then he became a follower of Jesus and they began to hate him. They persecuted him. They even would throw rocks at him and on multiple occasions beat him and leave him for dead. There was even one situation where Paul was in prison, actually multiple times where he was in prison, waiting alone, isolated from the people he cared about and came to know. He was betrayed by friends and he was even shipwrecked. Can you imagine being thrown into the Mediterranean Sea to try to swim for your survival? Paul endured all sorts of suffering in his life. So from firsthand experience, he writes that it's not worth comparing to the glory that we will be revealed in us in another place he calls it a light momentary affliction now paul is someone who understood physical pain sickness and death there were no 21st century technologies and medicine to help people this was first century middle east and europe and in that world paul said it's not worth comparing with the glory that we'll be revealed he continues on In verses 19 through 21, he says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now, remember, we as followers of Jesus are those children of God. Verse 20, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. That's our glory that's going to be revealed. What Paul is saying is that the creation, the world around us, what God has created, the the human body, the physical world, it's all actually groaning right now because things are not as they should be. There is suffering in the entire universe. That there are earthquakes and tsunamis, hurricanes and natural disasters that are bad. There is evil in this world. There is destruction. There are even viruses that cause pandemics in human bodies. All of these things in the creation itself is not as it should be. And Paul sees that and he says, this is the world we live in right now. And even the creation itself is longing, is eagerly waiting for what God is going to do. He continues in verse 22. Paul writes, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. That's really important. Pains of childbirth. Underline that. Right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. See, Paul is saying if if the creation itself, if all the universe is waiting for the good that's going to come, we must wait as well. We must wait as well. 
Now, I told you to underline that phrase, pains of childbirth, because I think that that image helps us capture what is happening in our world. You see, Melissa, I've been with her through the process of getting pregnant, finding out on an ultrasound that we were going to have a baby, and then going through all the stages of childbirth. And think about it. At first, you're excited, but then... With any expecting mother, there starts to be some morning sickness. And sometimes it's terrible. With, with the twins, Melissa was sick as a dog every single day for weeks on end. And then there begins to be a discomfort. And sure, there's an excitement building, but there's also discomfort and pain as what's going on as these babies are growing inside, as something good is growing inside of the womb. This discomfort turns to pain. And it gets worse and worse. And then you think, oh my gosh, here comes for for us. And I know a lot of you as well. It's, oh, this is the time. The pains of childbirth are here. It's time to go to the hospital. But then you get to the hospital. Nope, those are false labor pains. And you go home to wait some more. And then the pain gets worse and the pain gets worse. And then finally at the end when the pain is excruciatingly painful and it comes again and again and again after hours of that pain, finally... The child emerges, the glory of a newborn baby. And that is a powerful transformative moment for those of you who experience it. It changes your life forever. It's so good and so great. But it took all of that time of waiting, of pain, of of dealing with all that stuff before the good thing came. What Paul is saying is we are in that world right now. We are going through the pain, the waiting, the thinking it's over, then, then waiting some more, then the pain gets worse and then it stops, and then it gets worse again and stops. See, this is what our world can be like. Our lives can be like. Our physical bodies can be like. That's what Paul is saying. Our bodies are waiting and, and waiting our redemption. Waiting our redemption. But I love how he compares it to glory. See, there is the pain of childbirth, but then there's the glory on the other side. And that word glory in Greek is doxa, but it picks up a Hebrew word, kavod. And because that word kavod in the old ancient Hebrew is glory, is a weight. It's a heaviness. It's a profundity. It's something that when you experience the glory of God, it is a weight that overwhelms you and is uncontrollable. It emotionally just is the greatest thing you've ever experienced. And I think some of us have experienced maybe a taste of that glory. And that's one of the reasons why we long to worship together again, because when God shows up and you experience his glory, it is like nothing ever before. It's the moment when you stand at the Grand Canyon or at the top of a mountain, a 14er here in Colorado, and you look out and there's just a feeling of majesty and beauty and grandeur. There's a heaviness and weight to it. What Paul is saying here is that when we are followers of Jesus, when we have put our faith in Jesus, we know that one day we will experience that glory in ourselves because our broken bodies that have pain, that experience suffering, that go through um, all sorts of issues and can be ravaged by cancer or by viruses that ruin our lungs and then our internal organs then eventually cause us to die. Well, all of that will be changed. Those bodies will fall away. And we look to the first fruit, Jesus, and his redemption body and the glory that he has, a perfect, holy body that as he came on the third day after the resurrection, rising up from the dead and to live forever, that glorious body is one like we will have. 
we will no longer have sickness, sorrow, pain, or death. Our bodies will not deteriorate or decay. There will no longer be viruses that can attack our nervous systems and our pulmonary systems. We will be able to breathe and sing and dance and all of the different ailments that we struggle with right now will be gone. Even the mental illnesses that we struggle with, the depression, the anxiety, the autism, whatever it is, all of that will be gone in our new glorious bodies in heaven. See, God's still working, and we need to wait for that. Teresa of Avila once said, The first moment in the arms of Jesus is going to make a thousand years of misery on earth look like one night in a bad hotel. It's not worth comparing our misery, our suffering now. It's not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. And that's why right now we wait, because God's still working. God's still working. So does that mean that in this waiting, while we're waiting for the glory that will be revealed, we should just put on a smile on our face and and put on a a life is good t-shirt and act like everything's okay and happy and and go lucky? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's what... Um, Paul is saying here, in fact, I think the second thing we need to learn from him is that we must groan. We must groan while we're waiting if we want to have victory over suffering because God is still working. We must groan now. I want you to go back for a second to verse 23 where we see this groaning. Paul writes, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. Groan inwardly. The the creation is groaning, we ourselves are groaning, and now look at this in verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Holy Spirit of God, which we receive when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. God himself is residing within you. And when you are groaning, the Holy Spirit, God himself is groaning with you. See, Paul is not saying that everything is good and it's fine because, oh, heaven's going to be great. He's saying, yes, heaven's going to be great, but we should groan and can groan and will groan now. It's hard. There is suffering. There is struggle. We don't diminish it or get rid of it. This is one of the the most uh, profound things about Christianity. If you study world religions, you know that there are some Eastern religions that treat suffering as if it's an illusion. They literally will teach that. Suffering is an illusion and you must meditate and clear your mind so you can rise above the illusion of the suffering of this world. Then here in the West, we do the opposite, maybe in secular religion, like we mentioned, that that people kind of treat suffering. They do everything to avoid it, to diminish it, to make our lives as comfortable as possible. We hide it. We don't talk about it. We don't look at it. We hide away those who are suffering. But either way, whether you treat it as illusion or you hide it away, it is still there. See, Christianity is a powerful set of beliefs Because it says, yes, there is suffering. It is real, and we groan in it, and yet there is hope throughout it. And we're going to get to that hope in just a minute. But I want you to see that we can't acknowledge that suffering is real, that life is hard, that sometimes it punches you in the mouth and you get knocked down. 
that you lose your job, that you're in grief and sadness, that you're dealing with the loss of someone you love. You, you miss seeing the people that you care about. You feel all alone. You're going through a divorce and you wonder, how did things get so bad? And in all that suffering, we should groan. We should groan because things are not the way they should be. And it says through wordless groans because I think there are times where we can't even speak. We can't even pray. We don't know what to pray. God, God, what's going on here? Have you ever been there? It's really interesting. This word groan is throughout the Bible a few times in the New Testament. And, and it's a translation of a word in the Old Testament as well. And this word groaning can mean sighing. Like, oh. But it can also be growling or, or crying out. And it is the groaning that the Israelites did when they were in slavery in Egypt. That's the type of groaning that's going on here. But here's the interesting thing. This word groaning is often used in, you guessed it, childbirth. If you have either gone through childbirth or you've been at the bedside of someone going through childbirth, you know that there is groaning. And in fact, they tell you not to go to the hospital in those labor pains until you're having contractions that hurt so much that you can't talk through them. It's so painful that you can't speak. I believe these are the type of groans that can happen in our life because of suffering. Not just because of childbirth, but because of grief. Because of infertility. Because of death and sadness. And someone we love struggling with addiction or struggling with a health issue. And we just want it to end. But we don't even know the words. We can't express the words. We can't talk to anybody about it. We can't even pray. And what Paul is saying is that in those moments that we don't know what to do, God's spirit is in us groaning for us. The Holy Spirit is taking that feeling, that thought to the very ear of our father in heaven and his love for us. Wow. And that's why in the waiting we should groan because God's still working. God's still working. So I want to challenge you. Don't try to hold it in. Don't try to hold it in. Don't try to pretend like everything's okay when it's not okay. It's okay to admit that things are hard. The psychiatrist um, Peck in his book, The Road Less Traveled, starts out by saying that life is difficult. And he says that because so many of his psychiatric patients struggle because they don't accept that fact. We in the West need to realize, we in America needs to realize that there is suffering, there is hardship, there are pandemics that wreak havoc in our businesses, in our finances, in our stock market, on our physical health. There are hard things. There is suffering. We need to acknowledge it. We need to groan inwardly and not pretend like everything's okay. While we're waiting, we need to groan. Why? Because God's still working. God's still working and he's challenging us now to know To know that he is still working. In verse 28, we see this. And we know, Paul writes, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, that's a good Bible verse. If you don't have that memorized, memorize it. And we know that in all things, Paul says, God works for the good of those who love him. Now, notice specifically, it says for those who love him, God is working in the good for those who are believers in his son, Jesus Christ, not for all people. So not all things will work out for everybody in the end. No, no, no. But for those who are followers of Jesus, all things will work out. All things will work out. Not just a few things, not some things, but all things will work out. God is working in them to work something good. You know, I am in the process of cleaning out my garage. 
And if you were to come into my garage on a Saturday when I am working in the garage, and if you go in there, you will think, what the heck are you doing? Why? Because in the process of cleaning the garage and organizing it, I make a huge mess. Anybody else do this? You have to get everything out, take things out in order to sweep behind them or vacuum. You have to take all the stuff out to arrange it to figure out what's worth throwing away or giving to the thrift store, what's worth saving and salvaging. And then you put it all out so that you can organize it back. It takes a long time. It takes hours. And before you can go from what looks okay to what is great, there's going to be a mess in the middle. Well, I believe as we know that God is still working, because it says that, and we know, as we know that God's still working, we know that sometimes it looks like a mess in the middle. It looks like a mess in the middle. We don't understand what's going. We don't understand why everything's so bad. Why is there suffering? Why is there struggling? Why is there heartache? Why is all this going on? Well, we know that we're in the middle right now. And God's still working. He's not finished yet. And we have to know that. We have to know that and we have to trust that, that the mess isn't cleaned up yet. That things haven't been rearranged and reorganized to make the beautiful grandeur and glory that will be revealed in us. But God is still working. And I think that we can see in our own lives and in the story of someone like Mona here in our church, that God works through the suffering and the hardship of our life to make something good and great. Hello, everyone. My name is Ramona Hellstrand, but most everyone knows me as Mona. I have been a member of Stapleton Church for a little over two years. Um, I currently work as a special education teacher for the Aurora Public Schools. I grew up in New Mexico, born and raised. I ended up moving to Maryland to work as a recruiter for the AmeriCorps program, a program that I love so much because it shared so many life experiences with me. Well. I I went for recruiting for the program, and one day I was just not feeling well. I had a very low heart rate, ended up in the hospital, and I ended up having a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't move my entire left side, and I had no ability to talk or walk. My mom came out to take care of me and then said, you're moving home to New Mexico to recover. So I moved home to my home state of New Mexico. It was a challenge because I hadn't lived at home since I was 17, and I had to rely on my mom for everything, talking, walking, everything. But as I was getting better, my mom said, surprise, my household, and your rehab is extended to packing up everything so we can move to Colorado. So that is how I ended up here in Colorado. So 2014 of February, I moved with my mom here to Denver, Colorado. I was still going through occupational therapy, physical therapy, and speech to help me with the weakening of my left side due to my stroke. But I'm not one to sit around. I decided to go back to school, so I took online classes with Grand Canyon Community College. I used to write and do all these letters and documents, and as I was writing for my online class, I wrote a paragraph that took me like two or three hours. And I would wonder, who wrote that? Who did this? Sorry. And I had to relearn all that. And you know what? I graduated in 2016 with my master's in special education. Numerous life experiences have introduced me to so many friendships, job opportunities, and 
places such as Stapleton Church. In fact, in December, 27, or December 17th of 2019, I had a first surgery on my foot, which ended up leading to another surgery in January due to complications. And then I had an emergency surgery for something different in March. But during that time, I was blessed by so many of Stapleton Church with prayers, meals, and fellowship. I would not be where I am in life with all these, without all these challenges. I have been led to assist others who have gone through things. And becoming a special ed teacher, I am, I'm able to assist my students because of all the experiences that I've been of not being able to speak or to walk or that. So although the Lord brings us through so many challenges, those challenges lead us through obstacles and lead us to victories. And I know that we're facing a lot of challenges of the world right now, but look forward to those victories because they're there. Wow, didn't you love hearing Mona's story? How the stroke that she went through, man, nobody wants to go through a stroke, but the stroke that she went through, having to learn how to talk and walk and, and write again, all of that was preparing her so that she could help other people with mental disabilities. I love that story because it shows us in someone's life that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We can know this. We can know this, that God works in all things for the good of those who love him. Paul continues in verses 29 and 30. He says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. In these two verses, there's so much deep, rich theology. But what it's saying is that God had a plan from the beginning when he chose you, when he saved you, when he justified you, meaning he forgave you of your sins and declared you as righteous. And when he's going to glorify you at the end, all of that, all of that huge, long process was so that you would be conformed to the image of the son, so that you would become like Jesus, that you would have his glorious body reborn from the dead, like Your character would become more and more like Jesus, that you would do the things that Jesus does, love like Jesus does, have a character and a depth about you, that you would serve people like Mona does because of what you've experienced. See, God has a process and he's at work to make us like his son. And the more and more we go through suffering, we know that God is still working. He's at work. He's making progress to make us glorified. Uh, Did you notice that it said that word glorified in the past tense in verse 30? Circle that. That's fascinating because, yeah, it makes sense that God predestined us in the past. However, that works out philosophically. Yeah, we know that God called us in the past. And yeah, we know that God justified us for those who are Christians in the past. But how did he glorify us in the past? Well, I believe that Paul is so confident and is teaching us to know that in the future, this glorification will happen. We will be made perfect and complete with our new bodies in glory. And we can know so confidently that will happen that we can talk about it in the past tense. Now, that's some confidence. And I want you to have that confidence that God's still working. I hope that you've seen that God is still working right now. And if you can, maybe in the comments section, I want you to write one thing that God is working in your life through this pandemic time. Because, yeah, there's suffering, there's hardship, but God is working in that and he's working right now in your life. Maybe some of you can't see it and I want you to see maybe in the comments section some of the other people and what they're learning and doing in their life. Because God will work in all things. That's what it said in verse 28. In all things. In all things. Not in some things, not in most things, not in the things for the good people, 
But not for people like me. No, no, no. In all things. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. God is still working in all things. Paul says something similar in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. He says, through the Son, God also reconciled all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, thereby making peace through the blood of his cross. All things on heaven and on earth and under the earth, all things are being reconciled by Jesus. And we can see in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus that God is still working. Because when Jesus suffered, when he was betrayed by his friends, abandoned by those he loved, when he was hung up on a cross, beaten, stripped down, naked, and he was hung there on the cross, bleeding out, God used that to redeem the world. And God took that working in it all things to take Jesus, though he was buried in the ground, three days later to rise him up to new life, to show us the glory and the power that God has over all things. And if God can do that through Jesus, he can do that in your life. So if you're right here right now, I hope that you would see that in the stroke things, in the cancer things, God is working. He's still working. That in your loneliness and isolation, God still working. We... God's still working. That when you're at home, that maybe God is still working to bring you around your family more. Maybe he's working to reprioritize your life. Maybe that job you lost is freeing you up to do the thing that God has called you to do. I know that God is still working in your life. He's maturing you. He's growing you. He's helping you realize what is most important. Maybe you will come to faith right now because God is still working in your life through this. In all things, God is working. He's still working. This last week, Barry Brandt, a member of our church, an amazing man, uh, found out that he was having uh, some heart issues, went into the hospital. I spoke with Barry And I got his permission to share about this because he had to go through double bypass surgery on his heart this last Monday. And he went through the surgery. Things are looking good and he's recovering. And I called him up a a day later and I asked him how things were going. And he said, Matt, yeah, things are going great. He said, and you know, I've had such an opportunity to witness. Yeah, that's right. Barry Brandt said he, he's telling everyone he can about Jesus. He'll talk to a nurse and he'll say things like, do you know why I'm so calm right now? Away from my wife in isolation here in the ICU in a hospital where there's a pandemic going on. He says, do you know why I'm so calm? And the nurses will say, yeah, I want to know. And he'll say, because of Jesus. Barry has been able to share the gospel with so many people. Because he's realizing that even in the suffering of a heart attack, of being in the hospital, isolated during a pandemic, in it, God's still working. So I don't know what the thing is God's doing in your life to grow you, to mature you, to lead you through, to to bring you to faith for the first time, to reprioritize your life. But God's still working in the suffering, in the struggle, in the hardship, whatever you're going through or whatever you will go through in the future, God's still working. Now, if you're watching this right now and you want God to be working for you, but you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you've never declared that you follow him. It's time to say a prayer to do that, because then God is working on your side. And I want to challenge you to do that, that you would see that God is working in your life right now. I'm going to give you a prayer right now so that you can say this prayer out loud. Father, I know that I'm a sinner and ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus was condemned for my sins and rose from the dead. Please give me the gift of eternal life. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. 
I invite your spirit to live in my heart. Help me to follow you and live in victory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, congratulations. Congratulations. I am so excited for you. God is working in your life, and I want to hear from you. So if you could just text the word follow to the number on the screen, screen, I would love to get back in touch with you and just tell you what an amazing decision you made because now you will have that glory in heaven on the other side of death that you can look forward because God is still working in your life. And for all of us, I want to close us in a prayer. Lord God, thank you so much that you're still working in the hardship and the suffering and the pandemic that we're going through, in the financial difficulties and the relational difficulties. You're working. And, and if we don't know what's going on, that means you're still working. You're not finished yet. The glory hasn't been revealed yet. And I pray that you'd help us to wait, to groan, and to know that you are working. Lord God, I pray that you'd help us move forward from here, growing in faith, growing to become more and more like Jesus. And Lord God, help us wait for that one day when we will be fully glorified. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.